Chapter 7 of the Journal of John Woolman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Journal of John Woolman by John Woolman. Chapter 7. 1760. Visit, in company with Samuel Eastburn, to Long Island, Rhode Island, Boston, etc. Remarks on the slave trade at Newport, also on lotteries, some observations on the island of Nantucket. Fourth month, 1760. Having for some time past felt a sympathy in my mind with friends eastward, I opened my concern in our monthly meeting, and, obtaining a certificate, set forward on the 17th of this month in company with my beloved friend Samuel Eastburn. We had meetings at Woodbridge, Rahway, and Plainfield, and were at their monthly meeting of ministers and elders in Rahway. We labored under some discouragement, but through the invisible power of truth our visit was made reviving to the lowly-minded, with whom I felt a near unity of spirit being much reduced in my mind. We passed on and visited most of the meetings on Long Island, it was my concern from day to day to say neither more nor less than what the spirit of truth opened in me, being jealous over myself lest I should say anything to make my testimony look agreeable to that mind in people which is not in pure obedience to the cross of Christ. The spring of the ministry was often low, and through the subjecting power of truth we were kept low with it. From place to place they whose hearts were truly concerned for the cause of Christ appeared to be comforted in our labors, and though it was in general a time of abasement of the creature, yet through his goodness, who was a helper of the poor, we had some truly edifying seasons, both in meetings and in families where we tarried. Sometimes we found strength to labor earnestly with the unfaithful, especially with those whose station in families or in the society was such that their example had a powerful tendency to open the way for others to go aside from the purity and soundness of the blessed truth. At Jericho, on Long Island, I wrote home as follows. 24th of the 4th month, 1760. Dearly beloved wife, we are favored with health, have been at sundry meetings in East Jersey and on this island. My mind hath been much in an inward, watchful frame since I left thee, greatly desiring that our proceedings may be singly in the will of our Heavenly Father. As the present appearance of things is not joyous, I have been much shut up from outward cheerfulness, remembering that promise, 
then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. As this, from day to day, has been revived in my memory, I have considered that his internal presence in our minds is the delight of all others the most pure, and that the honest-hearted not only delight in this, but in the effect of it upon them. He regards the helpless and distressed, and reveals his love to his children under affliction, who delight in beholding his benevolence, and in feeling divine charity moving in them. Of this I may speak a little, for though since I left you I have often an engaging love and affection towards thee and my daughter, and friends about home, and going out at this time, when sickness is so great amongst you, is a trial upon me. Yet I often remember there are many widows and fatherless, many who have poor tutors, many who have evil examples before them, and many whose minds are in captivity, for whose sake my heart is at times moved with compassion, so that I feel my mind resigned to leave you for a season, to exercise that gift which the Lord hath bestowed on me, which, though small compared with some, yet in this I rejoice, that I feel love unfeigned towards my fellow creatures. I recommend you to the Almighty, who I trust cares for you, and under a sense of his heavenly love remain. Thy loving husband, J.W. We crossed from East End of Long Island to New London, about thirty miles in a large open boat. While we were out, the wind rising high, the waves several times beat over us, so that to me it appeared dangerous. But my mind was at that time turned to him who made and governs the deep and my life was resigned to him. As he was mercifully pleased to preserve us, I had fresh occasion to consider every day as a day lent to me, and felt a renewed engagement to devote my time and all I had to him who gave it. We had five meetings in Narragansett, and went thence to Newport on Rhode Island, our gracious Father preserved us in an humble dependence on him through deep exercises that were mortifying to the creaturely will. In several families in the country where we lodged, I felt an engagement on my mind to have a conference with them in private concerning their slaves, and through divine aid I was favored to give up thereto. Though in this concern I differ from many whose service in traveling is, I believe, greater than mine, yet I do not think hardly of them for omitting it. I do not repine at having so unpleasant a task assigned me, but look with awfulness to him who appoints to his servants their respective employments, and is good to all who serve him sincerely. We got to Newport in the evening, and on the next day visited two sick persons with whom we had comfortable sittings, and in the afternoon attended the burial of a friend. 
The next day we were at meetings at Newport, in the forenoon and afternoon. The spring of the ministry was opened, and strength was given to declare the word of life to the people. The day following we went on our journey, but the great number of slaves in these parts, and the continuance of that trade from thence to Guinea, made a deep impression on me, and my cries were often put up to my heavenly Father in secret that he would enable me to discharge my duty faithfully in such a way as he might be pleased to point out to me. We took Swansea, Freetown, and Taunton in our way to Boston, where also we had a meeting. Our exercise was deep, and the love of truth prevailed, for which I blessed the Lord. We went eastward, about eighty miles beyond Boston, taking meetings, and were in a good degree preserved in an humble dependence on that arm which drew us out. And though we had some hard labor with the disobedient, by laying things home and close to such as were stout against the truth, yet through the goodness of God we had at times to partake of heavenly comfort with those who were meek, and were often favored to part with friends in the nearness of true gospel fellowship. We returned to Boston and had another comfortable opportunity with friends there, and thence rode back a day's journey eastward of Boston. Our guide being a heavy man, and the weather hot, my companion and I expressed our freedom to go on without him, to which he consented, and we respectfully took our leave of him. This we did as believing the journey would have been hard to him and his horse. In visiting the meetings in those parts, we were measurably baptized into a feeling of the state of the society, and in bowedness of spirit went to the yearly meeting at Newport, where we met with John Storer from England, Elizabeth Shipley, Anne Gaunt, Hannah Foster, and Mercy Redman, from our parts, all ministers of the gospel, of whose company I was glad. Understanding that a large number of slaves had been imported from Africa into that town, and were then on sale by a member of our society, my appetite failed, and I grew outwardly weak and had a feeling of the condition of Habakkuk, as thus expressed, quote, When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered, I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble, end quote. I had many cogitations, and was sorely distressed, I was desirous that friends might petition the legislature to use their endeavors to discourage the future importation of slaves, for I saw that this trade was a great evil, intended to multiply troubles, and to bring distresses on the people for whose welfare my heart was deeply concerned. But I perceived several difficulties in regard to petitioning, 
and such was the exercise of my mind that I thought of endeavoring to get an opportunity to speak a few words in the House of Assembly, then sitting in town. This exercise came upon me in the afternoon on the second day of the yearly meeting, and on going to bed I got no sleep till my mind was wholly resigned thereto. In the morning I inquired of a friend how long the assembly was likely to continue sitting, who told me it was expected to be prorogued that day or the next. As I was desirous to attend the business of the meeting and perceive the assembly was likely to separate before the business was over, after considerable exercise, humbly seeking to the Lord for instruction, my mind settled to attend on the business of the meeting, on the last day of which I had prepared a short essay of a petition to be presented to the legislature, if way opened, and being informed that there were some appointed by that yearly meeting to speak with those in authority on cases relating to the society, I opened my mind to several of them, and showed them the essay I had made and afterwards I opened the case in the meeting for business, in substance as follows. Quote, I have been under a concern for some time on account of the great number of slaves which are imported into this colony. I am aware that it is a tender point to speak to, but apprehend I am not clear in the sight of heaven without doing so. I have prepared an essay of a petition to be presented to the legislature, if way open, and what I have to propose to this meeting is that some friends may be named to withdraw and look over it, and report whether they believe it is suitable to be read in the meeting. If they should think well of reading it, it will remain for the meeting to consider whether to take any further notice of it as a meeting or not. End quote. After a short conference, some friends went out and, looking over it, expressed their willingness to have it read, which being done, many expressed their unity with the proposal and some signified that to have the subjects of the petition enlarged upon and signed out of the meeting by such as were free would be more suitable than to do it there though i expected at first that if it was done it would be in that way yet such was the exercise of my mind that to move it in the hearing of friends when assembled appeared to me as a duty for my heart yearned towards the inhabitants of these parts, believing that by this trade there had been an increase of inquietude amongst them, and way had been made for the spreading of a spirit opposite to that meekness and humility which is a sure resting place for the soul, and that the continuance of this trade would not only render their healing more difficult, but would increase their malady. Having proceeded thus far, I felt easy to leave the essay amongst friends, for them to proceed in it as they believed best. 
and now an exercise revived in my mind in relation to lotteries which were common in those parts. I had mentioned the subject in a former sitting of this meeting, when arguments were used in favor of friends being held excused who were only concerned in such lotteries as were agreeable to law. And now, on moving it again, it was opposed as before, but the hearts of some friends appeared to be united to discourage the practice amongst their members, and the matter was zealously handled by some on both sides. In this debate, it appeared very clear to me that the spirit of lotteries was a spirit of selfishness, which tended to confuse and darken the understanding, and that pleading for it in our meetings, which were set apart for the Lord's work, was not right. In the heat of zeal, I made reply to what an ancient friend said, and when I sat down, I saw that my words were not enough seasoned with charity. After this, I spoke no more on the subject. At length, a minute was made, a copy of which was to be sent to their several quarterly meetings, inciting friends to labor to discourage the practice amongst all professing with us. Some time after this minute was made, I remained uneasy with the manner of my speaking to the ancient friend, and could not see my way clear to conceal my uneasiness, though I was concerned that I might say nothing to weaken the cause in which I had labored. After some close exercise and hearty repentance for not having attended closely to the safe guide, I stood up and, reciting the passage, acquainted friends that, though I durst not go from what I had said as to the matter, yet I was uneasy with the manner of my speaking, believing milder language would have been better. As this was uttered in some degree of creaturely abasement after a warm debate, it appeared to have a good savor amongst us. The yearly meeting being now over, there yet remained on my mind a secret, though heavy, exercise in regard to some leading active members about Newport, who were in the practice of keeping slaves. This I mentioned to two ancient friends who came out of the country, and proposed to them, if way opened, to have some conversation with those members. One of them and I, having consulted one of the most noted elders who had slaves, he, in a respectful manner, encouraged me to proceed to clear myself of what lay upon me. Near the beginning of the yearly meeting, I had had a private conference with this said elder and his wife concerning their slaves, so that the way seemed clear to me to advise with him about the manner of proceeding. I told him I was free to have a conference with them all together in a private house, or, if he thought they would take it unkind to be asked to come together and to be spoken with in the hearing of one another, I was free to spend some time amongst them and to visit them all in their own houses. He expressed his liking to the first proposal, 
not doubting their willingness to come together, and, as I proposed a visit to only ministers, elders, and overseers, he named some others whom he desired might also be present. A careful messenger being wanted to acquaint them in a proper manner, he offered to go to all their houses to open the matter to them, and did so. About the eighth hour the next morning, we met in the meeting-house chamber, the last-mentioned country friend, my companion, and John Storer being with us. After a short time of retirement, I acquainted them with the steps I had taken in procuring that meeting, and opened the concern I was under, and we then proceeded to a free conference upon the subject. My exercise was heavy, and I was deeply bowed in the spirit before the Lord, who was pleased to favor with the seasoning virtue of truth, which wrought a tenderness amongst us, and the subject was mutually handled in a calm and peaceable spirit. At length, feeling my mind released from the burden which I had been under, I took my leave of them in a good degree of satisfaction, and by the tenderness they manifested in regard to the practice, and the concern several of them expressed in relation to the manner of disposing of their negroes after their decease, I believed that a good exercise was spreading amongst them, and I am humbly thankful to God, who supported my mind and preserved me in a good degree of resignation through these trials. Thou who sometimes travelest in the work of the ministry, and art made very welcome by their friends, seest many tokens of their satisfaction, and having thee for their guest. It is good for thee to dwell deep, that thou mayest feel and understand the spirits of people. If we believe truth points towards a conference on some subjects in a private way, it is needful for us to take heed that their kindness, their freedom, and affability do not hinder us from the Lord's work. I have experienced that, in the midst of kindness and smooth conduct, to speak close and home to them who entertain us, on points that relate to outward interest, is hard labor. Sometimes, when I have felt truth lead towards it, I have found myself disqualified by a superficial friendship, and as the sense thereof hath abased me, and my cries have been to the Lord, so I have been humbled and made content to appear weak, or as a fool for his sake, and thus a door hath been opened to enter upon it. To attempt to do the Lord's work in our own way, and to speak of that which is the burden of the word, in a way easy to the natural part, doth not reach the bottom of the disorder. To see the failings of our friends, and think hard of them, without opening that which we ought to open, and still carry a face of friendship, tends to undermine the foundation of true unity. The office of a minister of Christ is weighty, 
and they who now go forth as watchmen have need to be steadily on their guard against the snares of prosperity and an outside friendship. After the yearly meeting, we were at meetings at Newton, Cushnet, Long Plain, Rochester, and Dartmouth. From thence we sailed for Nantucket, in company with Anne Gaunt, Mercy Redman, and several other friends. The wind being slack, we only reached Tarpauling Cove the first day, where, going on shore, we found room in a public house, and beds for a few of us. The rest slept on the floor. We went on board again about break of day, and though the wind was small, we were favored to come within about four miles of Nantucket and then about ten of us got into our boat and rowed to the harbor before dark a large boat went off and brought in the rest of the passengers about midnight the next day but one was their yearly meeting which held four days the last of which was their monthly meeting for business we had a laborious time amongst them our minds were closely exercised, and I believe it was a time of great searching of heart. The longer I was on the island, the more I became sensible that there was a considerable number of valuable friends there, though an evil spirit tending to strife had been at work amongst them. I was cautious of making any visits, except as my mind was particularly drawn to them and in that way we had some sittings in friends' houses, where the heavenly wing was at times spread over us to our mutual comfort. My beloved companion had very acceptable service on this island. When meeting was over, we all agreed to sail the next day if the weather was suitable and we were well, and being called up the latter part of the night, about fifty of us went on board a vessel, but, the wind changing, the seamen thought best to stay in the harbor till it altered, so we returned on shore. Feeling clear as to any further visits, I spent my time in my chamber, chiefly alone, and after some hours, my heart being filled with the spirit of supplication, my prayers and tears were poured out before my heavenly Father for his help and instruction in the manifold difficulties which attended me in life. While I was waiting upon the Lord, there came a messenger from the woman friends who lodged at another house, desiring to confer with us about appointing a meeting, which to me appeared weighty, as we had been at so many before but after a short conference and advising with some elderly friends, a meeting was appointed in which the friend who first moved it and who had been much shut up before was largely opened in the love of the gospel. The next morning, about break of day, going again on board the vessel, we reached Falmouth on the main before night, where our horses being brought we proceeded towards Sandwich Quarterly Meeting. Being two days in going to Nantucket, and having been there once before, I observed many shoals in their bay, 
which makes sailing more dangerous, especially in stormy nights. Also, that a great shoal, which encloses their harbor, prevents the entrance of sloops except when the tide is up. Waiting without for the rising of the tide is sometimes hazardous in storms, and by waiting within they sometimes miss a fair wind. I took notice that there was on that small island a great number of inhabitants, and the soil not very fertile, the timber being so gone that for vessels, fences, and firewood they depend chiefly on buying from the main, for the cost whereof, with most of their other expenses, they depend principally upon the whale fishery. I considered that as towns grew larger and lands near navigable waters were more cleared, it would require more labor to get timber and wood. I understood that the whales, being much hunted and sometimes wounded and not killed, grow more shy and difficult to come at. I considered that the formation of the earth, the seas, the islands, bays, and rivers, the motions of the winds, and the great waters which cause bars and shoals in particular places were all the works of him who is perfect wisdom and goodness. And as people attend to his heavenly instruction and put their trust in him, he provides for them in all parts where he gives them a being. And as in this visit to these people, I felt a strong desire for their firm establishment on the sure foundation, besides what was said more publicly, I was concerned to speak with the woman friends in their monthly meeting of business many being present and in the fresh spring of pure love to open before them the advantage both inwardly and outwardly of attending singly to the pure guidance of the holy spirit and therein to educate their children in true humility and the disuse of all superfluities I reminded them of the difficulties their husbands and sons were frequently exposed to at sea, and that the more plain and simple their way of living was, the less need there would be of running great hazards to support them. I also encouraged the young women to continue their neat, decent way of attending themselves on the affair of the house showing as the way opened that where people were truly humble used themselves to business and were content with a plain way of life they had ever had more true peace and calmness of mind than they who aspiring to greatness and outward show have grasped hard for an income to support themselves therein and as i observed they had so few or no slaves, I had to encourage them to be content without them, making mention of the numerous troubles and vexations which frequently attended the minds of the people who depend on slaves to do their labor. We attended the quarterly meeting at Sandwich in company with Anne Gaunt and Mercy Redman, which was preceded by a monthly meeting and in the whole held three days. We were in various ways exercised amongst them in gospel love, 
according to the several gifts bestowed on us, and were at times overshadowed with the virtue of truth to the comfort of the sincere and stirring up of the negligent. Here we parted with Anne and Mercy, and went to Rhode Island, taking one meeting in our way, which was a satisfactory time. Reaching Newport the evening before their quarterly meeting, we attended it, and after that had a meeting with our young people, separated from those of other societies. We went through much labor in this town, and now, in taking leave of it, though I felt close inward exercise to the last, I found inward peace, and was in some degree comforted in a belief that a good number remain in that place who retain a sense of truth, and that there are some young people attentive to the voice of the heavenly shepherd. The last meeting, in which friends from the several parts of the quarter came together, was a select meeting, and through the renewed manifestation of the Father's love, the hearts of the sincere were united together. The poverty of spirit and inward weakness, with which I was much tried the forepart of this journey, has of late appeared to me a dispensation of kindness. Appointing meetings never appeared more weighty to me, and I was led into a deep search, whether in all things my mind was resigned to the will of God, often querying with myself what should be the cause of such inward poverty, and greatly desiring that no secret reserve in my heart might hinder my access to the divine fountain. In these humbling times I was made watchful, and excited to attend to the secret movings of the heavenly principle in my mind, which prepared the way to some duties that in more easy and prosperous times as to the outward, I believe I should have been in danger of omitting. From Newport we went to Greenwich, Chanticut, and Warwick, and were helped to labor amongst friends in the love of our gracious Redeemer. Afterwards, accompanied by our friend John Casey from Newport, we rode through Connecticut to Oblong, visited the meetings to those parts, and thence proceeded to the quarterly meeting at Ryewoods. Through the gracious extendings of divine help, we had some seasoning opportunities in those places. We also visited friends at New York and Flushing, and thence to Rahway. Here, our roads parting, I took leave of my beloved companion and true yokemate, Samuel Eastburn, and reached home the tenth of eighth month, where I found my family well. For the favors and protection of the Lord, both inward and outward, extended to me in this journey, my heart is humbled in grateful acknowledgments and I find renewed desires to dwell and walk in resignedness before him. End of chapter 7